This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as usual, by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Well, AJ, I know we're a hockey show, but we're also repping Rotowire, a company that covers all pro sports, and there's no bigger event on our calendar than the Super Bowl, which was comp- competed for on the weekend. So I'd like to hear your thoughts, and I want to share mine over uh, what is being deemed a very historic ball game. Well, for starters, I, I just wanted a, a good game. I don't have too much dog in, in this fight either way. Uh, and from the onset, it looked like we weren't going to get that. Uh, appeared Atlanta was going to blow them out. Um, but definitely turned into a real thriller. Um, full disclosure, I was cheering for New England, probably one of the few people outside of Boston actually cheering in favor of the Patriots. Uh, I'm a fan of dynasties and, and watching great teams. So uh, in my mind, too, uh, after this win, I think there's no arguing who the greatest QB of all time is. It has to be Tom Brady. Uh, five Super Bowl rings, seven Super Bowl appearances, not to mention his, uh, his stats. Uh, and everything else that goes with it. So say what you will about him. Uh, I think he's got to go down as the greatest of all time. I'm not here to dispute that for a second, but I am here to dispute that whole ball game, the way it finished. Uh, a couple of issues. First of all, it may, points out when you go to overtime, really unfair that this was effectively def- decided by a coin toss, AJ. I think it should be highlighted that the the opposition team, they didn't even get a chance to touched the ball offensively in overtime and lost the championship effectively as soon as that coin hit the ground because the way the Patriots offense was humming you knew that they weren't going to give up the ball in the overtime you just had to it was a fait accompli for me and and I just thought Atlanta down the stretch they were the architects of their own demise too not taking anything away from Brady and the offense at all but there were two short kickoffs fielded in the end zone and the guys decided to run them out they were stuffed twice and then on, on a couple of inst- other instances down the stretch, third and one, they play with an empty backfield, Atlanta does, and didn't even disguise the fact that they were going to throw the ball. It went incomplete, and rather than get the first down with a running attempt, they, they, f- they even stopped the clock. They did everything they could to give New England a chance with more time. Another sequence late in the game after that great catch by Julio Jones that puts them down around the 22. They could have clocked, they, they could have ground, uh, run the ball three times, causing New England to use a timeout or two or just simply run more time off the clock and get a field goal and be up two scores with about three and a half minutes left. So a number of errors, a comedy of errors, in fact, by Atlanta down the stretch, more in terms of coaching decision and and execution than anything else that that certainly greased the rails for, for New England's stirring comeback. And no question at all, they were really humming down the end. And there was no panic in that offense. And that comes from Tom Brady's experience. Once again, he showed why he's the best in the game. I'm not here to dispute that for a second. I'm just saying Atlanta had a big pl- part to play in this game, ending the way that it did with their mismanagement. And and I don't see anybody talking about that as much as uh, I'd like to see uh, for a little bit of balanced reporting, I'll say. It's all about Tom Brady this, 
Saint Belichick that and all the rest of it, AJ. <laughs> and, and it gets a little tiresome when, when the whole story is not told. So that's why I'm here today to tell a bit of the other side. <laughs> well, and let's not forget either, Paul, the poor use of, of timeouts. They wasted two of them in the third quarter. Uh, and so they had just the one going into the fourth quarter. And then they lose that on that challenge, which, I mean, I get it's a big play. But when you only have one timeout, why risk it? In, in the face of possibly having none going into the final drive, you know, maybe they could have gotten in field goal range or, or done something if they had had a couple of those timeouts left, too, when they did get the ball back uh, late in the fourth. So another, as you pointed out, poor management by the, the coaching staff there. Well, and now that football season is done, AJ, we still have it, the NBA and NHL in midseason. But our friends at FanDuel want to remind you that baseball is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. Must, you must be new to FanDuel in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. All right, AJ, help us shift our focus back to the podcast. Yeah, as always, I'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineup, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, feel free to tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions during our next show uh, or during the week. As, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, and we invite our friends to keep your thoughts coming for today. And as, been our custom, as has been our custom through much of the first season of podcast, we will do a 30-team sweep and choose a compelling topic as each team is now gunning for the trade deadline and the playoff surge. So we're going to take a look at uh, teams that are dealing with key injuries, and uh, it's caused some roster shuffling up and down the lineup. And we want to highlight a player or two in the ever-changing uh, roles that they play with their respective clubs and uh, we'll lead it off with a talk about Anaheim where for instance there's been a tremendous blue line shuffle and Brandon Montour has become a pretty valuable chip for them a guy that they've been uh, nurturing in the minors but he's come up and he's getting first line minutes on that blue line already scored a goal and uh, he's he's getting the shots on goal Uh, I also note that uh, Manson and Holzer are moving up while Vatten and others are on the injury list so there's quite a bit of movement on the back end in Anaheim that's worth noting yeah, and for all the, the injuries uh, they're dealing with on the blue line, they're getting healthy on, on the forwards. Uh, Nate Thompson is back finally after missing uh, the entire season thus far with an Achilles injury. Uh, he is just getting his legs back under him, no points in three games, um, but he could climb up from that fourth line as he gets back to game speed. Uh, so a, a player to keep an eye on. Certainly we won't necessarily highlight all uh, you know sleeper picks to, to snag today, but uh, some players just to keep an eye on, maybe monitor as, as the season goes along. Absolutely. And with that, we go on to the next club in Arizona. They're pretty happy to get Max Domi about ready to return, I understand. And Lawson Krause, another young guy who they're going to be counting on, is getting a, a good look and getting uh, more top-line minutes in, in their forward rotation. That's kind of where this team is at right now. They're, they're fade, they faded out of the playoff race, I think, it's safe to say. And so it's time to really give the young guys a bit more of an audition. And if you're looking to, to snag one of these guys, now is really an opportune time because they're going to get more playing time down the stretch. Well, another youngster, too, that uh, originally didn't even look like he was going to be on the roster this season is Christian Dvorak. Uh, was back and forth as to whether or not he would uh, start or even spend the entire season in the AHL. Uh, but right now he's got 15 points in his rookie campaign, steadily moving up the depth chart. Uh, he's, he's on the second line right now uh, in that center position. So uh, of, of all the players, I think, on this team to kind of monitor for next season, I don't think you really need any of them to to help you this season with how bad they've been. Uh, Dvorak, along with, uh, as Paul mentioned, Lawson, Kraus, are two guys you could definitely keep an eye on. And then in Boston, you know, you you surprised me when I was doing prep for the show when we talked just before going to air. You had some news. Yeah, it looks like uh, the coach is out. Claude Julian has been fired this morning. Uh, early breaking news. It looks like assistant coach Bruce Cassidy is going to take over on in an interim basis. So big, uh, big news coming out of Boston. Apparently, it's not all good news uh, in Boston for for them this uh, this week. That's right, and they they are 
kind of showing cracks there offense uh, on their uh, forward and, and defense and blue line. Uh, noticed uh, in the game the, uh, on the weekend against the Leafs, uh, Zdeno Chara was such a non-factor, AJ. I'm not used to seeing that. And it just highlights the fact that maybe father time is catching up with the big man. But in addition to that, uh, Tuka Rask seems to be losing his mojo of late. He's been giving up three goals a game a lot lately, and he got run out of the game by the Leafs with a four spot early on so uh, and the, the trouble is with Boston they played more games than a lot of their pursuers so they're in a very vulnerable state and that probably was the writing on the wall for their coach in my opinion well and we haven't seen a lot of movement on on their line combinations uh, for a lot of weeks which could be part of it too you know we'll certainly I would expect a significant shakeup as far as you know who's paired where and, and what line they're on one guy I could see moving out of a top six role is going to be Frank Vetrano. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, he's kind of slid down the depth chart a little bit. He hasn't lived up to the expectations after a 55-point AHL season last year. Uh, that was nearly two points uh, a game. So that's one guy that if you have him, it might be time to sell. Uh, he could slide down under the new regime. Well, and, and the next team up is Buffalo. And when it t- comes to looking at the Sabres and their rebuild, you know, friends of mine were saying, oh, we signed this guy, we signed that guy. But the rebuild in Toronto has been a much different story. We'll get to that in a minute. But I really think the, that it, it could have sh- shot these guys in the foot, uh, some bad money spent, some big contracts. Like they took on Gianta's contract. They got Bogosian. He's banged up. Not so good news in, in those circumstances. But they can certainly feel a little bit better about the Evander Kane situation. He's looking uh, really good right now. And, and playing like uh, the money that he's been p- being paid is, is almost worthwhile, you can say. So an interesting development there in terms of the good turn for, for Kane. But there's some big contracts on the downside that are going to hold these guys back and really limit the extent that they can rebuild this club for, for a little bit. Well, speaking of contracts, they also just signed Justin Falk to a $65,000 one-year extension. Uh, I'm sorry, $650,000 one-year extension. He does have a pair of helpers in, the, in their last two games. I would expect him to, to get some minutes, uh, as you said, Paul, with Zach Bogosian out. Um, but I think long-term, this is probably just uh, a move to to meet the expansion draft requirements. They have to have so many uh, guys under contract that are available to be selected. And so Falk, I think, uh, needs about five more games to be eligible for for the expansion draft, and then he'll be under contract next season, which is another requirement. So long-term, he may not still be there, um, but they'll probably get him some ice time uh, to showcase him a little bit and hope that he's maybe the guy that gets taken instead of some of their other talent. And up next, we go to Calgary, and we look at the fact that, that their goaltending and their defense seem to be in a bit more better order. Uh, Elliott certainly played a lot better and played himself back in the number one goalie role there, as I called it. You owe me a dollar for that one, I believe. And, <laughs> and uh, Chad Johns has kind of taken his back seat again. But up front, what I'm looking forward to is to see if they're going to give Sam Bennett a shot at the second line role. This is a guy who they drafted high a couple of years ago, and he's playing behind Michael Backlund. In the three slot, uh, of course, Sean Monaghan's the number one. I'd like to see Bennett get the second spot and, and run with it there just because I think they have to look to, uh, to a bit of a change in, in favor of youth and the opportunity that they get in that circumstance. Certainly, they're committed to Backlund in a big way financially, but Bennett's uh, got to be a key, a more of a key player in that offense along with Matthew Tuchuk. I'd like to see that second line develop and maybe really be a 1B to the 1A combo of Monaghan and Gaudreau. Uh, the defense looks like it's in order again with the big four. Uh, Weidman, of course, has played his way back into that role. Dougie Hamilton, well out of the doghouse by now and really uh, an ace back there on the blue line for Calgary. Well, another player, too, that they could put on that, that second line is uh, Alex Chason. I, I think uh, Michael Froelich is having a, a great season, uh, and it's not a knock on him, but if they really want to see what they have moving forward, why not put to Chuck Bennett and Chason all on one line together and kind of let them uh, struggle and succeed as a, as a group? You know, maybe they'll move uh, to Chuck down to the third line where Bennett and Chase are on and and flip Versteeg up there. But uh, I think three guys that could pair up really well together uh, and it could be their their top line of the future uh, if they can get uh, each other going. 
and a team that needs to ke- get going. They, they've got added some pieces. as Carolina. They've they drafted fairly well in the last few years. They've got Sebastian Ajo up front. They've got uh, Noah Hannafin on the blue line. But another guy who was a pretty high da- draft pick for them, Ryan Murphy, is not getting much of a shot. And, I, and that's a guy that I'd like to see get some minutes. He's another guy that could help juice the offense from the back end. They, they're one of the fastest teams up front. But on the blue line, I find that they're a bit of a plodding outfit, uh, save for guys like uh, Hannafin and Falk. I'd, I'd like to see a third guy with some really good speed uh, in that mix, and, and Murphy's the guy that I'd like to highlight in that regard. Yeah, for forwards there, I, I really like uh, Brock McGinn having slid into that, that second uh, line role along with Rask and two, uh, Timo two, uh, Teravainen, excuse me. Uh, he's definitely starting out uh, a little bit faster than he did last season just played 21 games in in what would maybe be considered a a rookie campaign he's up to 35 already this year uh, 13 points in those outings so another young player he's only 23 uh, that could make an impact on a team especially as we mentioned with Carolina if if Calgary start to slide a little bit they may want to see what they can get out of their youth as well and Chicago's up next. This is a team that we know. The the core is there. It's been there. It's got all the pedigree that you want for a, a group that is going to contend for the Cup again. Uh, maybe the, only, the first salary cap di- post-salary cap dynasty that we've seen in the NHL. And they'll be there at the end. But what, what really has helped them is that Scott Darling has elevated his game as a backup that they don't miss a beat when this guy goes into the nets. And that really spells Crawford more than uh, a lot of number one goalies around the league. And that's going to be a benefit to them once the playoffs do roll around. He'll be a little fresher than some of the guys that will have to play 70 plus games to get their teams in there. So big advantage there. And I like the fact that they've split up Keith and Seabrook on the blue line. It seems to have brought stability to the back end. And they're getting a lot of good mileage out of guys like Van Riemsdyk and Campbell back there too so things are in order in Chicago and don't be surprised if they go on another extended playoff run uh, with one more time with this group I will say one thing that I don't think is totally in order is who's going to play on the left wing with uh, Taves and Panic. Uh, right now it looks like it's going to be Nick Schmaltz and admittedly I had to ask the question who is Nick Schmaltz <laughs> uh, the, the rookie was sent down briefly after kind of a lengthy dry spell uh, but since being recalled, he's started to adjust. He's played three games on that top line, uh, so might uh, stick there. But they've had everybody up there uh, as far as far as on that left wing. Dennis Rasmussen's played up there. Ryan Hartman's played there. I think they've even considered Marion Hossa earlier in the season before it seemed like his performance was going to drop off. So while Schmaltz is there for now, I don't expect that to be a long-term uh, staying point. And, you know, uh, speaking of long-term staying points, we've talked, we've talked a little bit about Colorado's situation, but really now you can't really make a fair assessment of this team, I don't think, to know what you really have. Their number one goalie's on the shelf in Varlamov, and three of their top defensemen are also there in Tyson Berry, Eric Johnson, and Feder Tutin, three very good guys who, who would normally make this a much more stout defensive group. But I'm really concerned about the rumors around Nathan McKinnon, Matt Duchesne, and Gabriel Landeskog. These are guys, none of which are over 26 years old right now, AJ, and a couple of them are a lot younger than that. I don't think it's time to give up on them. They've certainly got a little bit of money tied up in them, but I, I think it's a panic move to get rid of these guys at the moment. I, I'd rather they, they get rid of, uh, see what they can get for Aginla and, and people who are, are not going to fit into their future plans uh, alongside him, uh, his name. Uh, and, and I'd like to see that be the direction that they take before they, they make a mistake and get rid of one of their young guns. Well, one guy they did try and get rid of was Eric Galinas. They put him on waivers uh, a couple days ago, but nobody claimed him. And then the injuries started to pile up on the blue line. So he's still with the club. Uh, you know, it was probably just a, a salary cap move to potentially move him down to the minors. But, you know, with injuries piling up, they're, they're fortunate that nobody claimed him. They would had to make a, a significant move, maybe right. bring somebody up. And Galinas is certainly not the answer on the blue line. Uh, so it's no wonder they waived him. But to have lost him, it, it just seems like bad timing uh, and indicative of all the kind of upper management struggles that 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 this team has had all season long. Well, one team that's not struggling is Columbus, but they're in that dogfight in the Metro Division where we talked a little bit 
off air about what a playoff that's going to be in the first couple of rounds as four, those four teams are probably better than anything that's going to come out of the Atlantic Division so it's going to be maybe an advantage for uh, the uh, fourth place team to move over into the Atlantic side of that bracket and uh, and take advantage of the lesser matchups that they might find there even I mean even in first round matchup against Montreal is probably better than facing one of the top three teams in the Metro Division right so that's something that they have to guard uh, they i think they guard have to guard against complacency here and don't take what they've done so far for granted particularly the good health that they've enjoyed this team's faced no adversity at all all season long they've been a great surprise i look for them to try and upgrade around the fringes uh, for the postseason and i wonder does uh, josh anderson's current injury status open the door for david clarkson who's just been all all but forgotten among the forward mix and he's been on the ltir for the longest time but i understand he's skating and getting ready to rejoin this team if he can find his game this would be a real bonanza for for columbus another guy that they can add to a string of power forwards that they can throw on the ice every night i i agree with you paul the the forward lines are solid i think i would like to see them maybe add a little bit on defense um with david savard out they've got marcus new as their kind of third pairing guy who's just getting back healthy himself uh, he's going to bump dalton prout out of the lineup um, but, you know, this is another guy who hasn't, even before he got hurt, he hasn't scored in his last five games uh, and doesn't have a whole lot of production on the year. So if they could bolster that so that a guy a guy like uh, Nutavara could end up back in the minors, uh, it's definitely a, a weak spot on their team, I think. Yeah, and one team that just can't seem to avoid the injury bug uh, and and. Uh, slotting players where I don't think they belong is the Dallas Stars. They they have uh, pushed aside veterans like Yuri Hudler and Patrick Sharp. I think those guys really fi- need to find a way to work their way into the top six for this team to really be in shape heading into the postseason. Uh, I don't like the mix they've got up front, quite honestly. Uh, and it's not helped by the fact that uh, a guy like Jason Spezza just drops down to the DL as well. So I'd like to see the veterans be reinserted and really get a chance to to get in the groove as they get ready for uh, what they hope is a postseason run too well another guy that's kind of being misused in my opinion is is radic faxa he's got 11 points in 12 games uh, he's definitely benefited all season long from the various injuries that have taken out other guys but right now they've got him down on the third line uh, in favor of cody egan and, and tyler sagan i think maybe moving him into a top six role whether that's still at center or maybe putting him at one of the wings uh, would probably be a better use of his talents uh, compared to to what they have so far. Because I agree, Paul. I think the combos that they have making up that top six uh, just aren't going to get them uh, a deep postseason run. And a team that might not get a postseason run for the first time in 25 years is the Detroit Red Wings. I've been touting that all year long, and it's looking like more and more of a reality. Just a lot of teams ahead of them. Their best goalie, Jimmy Howard's on the shelf, and the other two guys are struggling. They got a bit of a, a spark from Coro when he was brought up, but now his goals against is right there with Mrazek, just over the three mark, and they're not ranking in the top 30 in terms of individual goalie stats, either one of them. So that's where the trouble begins and ends, and certainly the end of the line might be near for a guy like Nicholas Cronwall who just can't seem to stay healthy and it's putting a little pressure on some guys that have been forced to play more minutes than they were expected to in the Detroit circumstance on the blue line well on top of that Cronwall injury they're also going to lose friends Nielsen for a couple games he's picked up a uh, an upper body injury so another dinged up player there I do think the nice part about uh, if there's a silver lining to Howard being out I think it's the fact that Corio has performed as well as he had. As you mentioned, he's cooled off as la- of late, but I think having him there will give this organization the confidence to trade away Jimmy Howard is something we've heard about every year. But Morazic's struggles have kept Howard in the mix, but I think Corio has done enough that maybe it's time to, uh, to move on from the veteran. Well, and uh, in Edmonton, they're they're committing to youth, and it served them well. This team is looking like they're going to be in the playoffs, AJ. They're one of the surprises in the West. People have been waiting on them, and finally things have come together behind the flag bearer in Connor McDavid. But uh, a little bit of a crack is starting to show on the back end. They've got three uh, experienced guys on the shelf right now in Darnell Nurse, Chris Russell, and Matt Benning. Uh, I think that could slow them down a bit. It's a bit of a red flag for me, but uh, so far it hasn't really bit them. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a bit of a hit uh, in the standings because these guys are all out of the lineup at the same time. 
Yeah, I agree that that's a, a significant setback, and I wonder what they could have done in their blue line if they hadn't shelled out that seven-year, $42 million contract for Milan Lucic, who was supposed to be the you know top-line guy alongside yeah. Connor McDavid, and, and with that kind of contract, you would expect that. But the 28-year-olds got just 30 points, half of which have come on the power play, so by no means a bad season, but he's down to a third-line role, and that's just not the type of... Uh, production you're expecting from a guy who you're giving six million dollars a year yeah that's for sure and cal in florida though they've got to be a little excited down there this is finally getting to be a healthy roster and uh, it's like two late season trades to get uh, stars in their lineup jonathan huberdo and alexander barkov look ready to assume leading roles on the offense huberdo got a goal in his first game back last week and uh, that's going to be nothing but good news in florida right now if they can continue to be healthy but i'd like to see them get more out of aaron ekblad who's really had a tough year on the blue line not producing the points and the plus minus not where he'd like it to be either yeah, Paul, I, I hate to repeat what you said, but I think it, it has to be uh, overstated, if anything. Huberdeau and Barkov coming back is just going to be tremendous for the team. I mean, they're on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs go, um, but they could definitely not only challenge for a top three Atlantic spot, but they could maybe uh, chase down you know the Flyers for, for that final wild card spot as well now that these guys are healthy. That's it, it, that's a great description of it, Paul, that it was almost like a b- big midseason trade to get this level of, uh, you know, compete and this level of talent back uh, this late in the year. But they've got it and they're a dangerous team. Yeah, I would say that they are. And nobody wants to face them with the full lineup. And uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought they'd be neck and neck with Tampa at the top of the division. Neither one looks like they're going to be near there at all. But Florida looks more positioned to do some damage down the stretch than, than Tampa, in my opinion. In L.A., uh, the great news is off the ice where Jonathan Quick is finally returning to practice. They're expecting him to get a few uh, shifts in, but he's still a long way away. It's just nice to have their starting uh, goalie uh, on the horizon anyway, that they can see that he will get back. And another guy that they're counting on up front, Tyler Toffoli. He's been back for two games, AJ, and it looks like he's just about ready to get back into a top six role. Uh, this is a time that you got to get this guy into the lineup. Maybe you see him partnered with either Kopitar or Carter. That's not a bad thing, no matter where, which way it goes. And Toffoli will be a factor on their power play. So the good news is coming for the LA Kings at a time when we're used to seeing them ramp things up, and they got a chance to be uh, noisy in the playoffs should they be able to make it. Well, even more good news is that Marion Gabrick is finally playing like the player that we're used to uh, nine points in his last 15 games. Uh, yeah, and that's 36 shots on goal for five goals. That's a 13.9 shooting percentage. So he's really been uh, lighting the lamp finally this season. I, I will note in, in an era where we see guys moving up and down lineups uh, frequently, if not daily, uh, the Kings stuck with Marion Gabrick on that top line throughout his struggles. And I think that confidence is paying off. Hopefully our, our fantasy owners out there who are listening also stuck with him and, and didn't do anything rash like drop, dropping him during the slump because uh, he's definitely back. If somebody did drop him in your league, snatch him up as quick as possible. If you have to pause the podcast to, to go check your league, feel free to do it. We just ask that you come back once you make that move. Exactly. And one guy who's probably not long for that first line on the right wing there is Dustin Brown, AJ. He's been a placeholder for Toffoli. And you can expect Toffoli and Lewis to both leapfrog Dustin Brown on that uh, starboard side. So if you've got Brown, now, now might be the time to sell high on him uh, further to the, all the stuff that you might want to do at the trade deadline. Uh, we jump down to the Minnesota Wild. You want to talk about a balanced team. This is not ex- an exciting unit. Uh, in some uh, some people's eyes but i love the stability and the consistency you're talking about seven guys with 30 plus points you're talking about 11 guys that have got over 24 points and they got that stud and net and devin dubnik i don't want i don't think anybody wants to play this team in the first round of the playoffs absolutely not uh an interesting uh kind of lineup change here on on the right wing charlie coyle who's been there top line guy for much of the season is is been dropped all the way to the fourth line uh, youngster alex took has been called up from the ahl he's got 22 points in 34 games with with iowa there and they're rewarding him with top line minutes uh but i don't expect this to be a long-term switch i think more sending a message to coil that he's got to step up his game his plus minus given this team's record and their offensive production is horrendous uh it's just a one plus minus so uh, this is a guy that needs to 
uh, of late, I'm sorry, he's plus 14 overall, but of late he's struggled with that plus minus. Yeah. Um, so he's got to get the message, and, and hopefully he will, and I expect him to be back on that top line. Well, I like the promotion of the kid to a first line or second line role if he was a scorer in junior. Too many times we see these guys called up and they get seven minutes in a game to prove what they can do. I don't think that's a fair thing. If you're going to call up a guy because he's scoring well in the lineup, lineup put him in a scoring role and see if he can continue that. So I li- like that. I'll give a nod to the Wilds coaching staff for doing it the right way. And uh, maybe that has as much to do with the coach's experience as anything else there. I'll say that too. Uh, Montreal circumstance. Uh, this is a team that uh, uh, they've been coasting in first place, but the gap is narrowing. Ottawa's chasing them down. The Leafs have got some games in hand. They're nine points behind. So the Canadians can't take it for granted that they're going to lock up this division just yet, I don't think. And to me, they look a little thin at center, and it's caused Alex Galchenia to get moved back into the middle. I think that's a good move. I think that's where he belongs. And uh, he, he, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Deneau is, is injured seriously because that's another guy who's filled the, filled the gap very well in the middle. But I think that le- they love to bolster the center position, and that might be where the Canadians are looking to, to help themselves more than anything else uh, come the trade deadline, AJ. Well, speaking of filling the gap, Brendan Gallagher is going to be out for two months. Uh, he's on IR, and they're going to look to Andrew Shaw Uh, He hasn't gotten back to his pre-injury form where he had 12 points in 15 games. Uh, He's got just one goal and three assists in his last 11. Um, But he's going to get a second-line look, as I mentioned, with Gallagher out. So uh, hopefully for for Montreal fans out there, he can step it up. Uh, For you, Paul, hopefully he continues to struggle. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, In Nashville, you know, when we think about Nashville, the first guy we think about is P.K. Subban, more often than not speaking of Montreal and he, neither he nor Roman Yossi is anywhere close to the point totals that we were, would have expected at the beginning of the season. In fact, both of them are going to be life and death to get to the 40-point mark. Still interesting for me to note that they're not playing together, but even more so that Yossi's been dropped to third-line minutes, or third-line role, rather, paired with Yannick Weber, as they didn't want to mess with the one stable pairing that they have is Irwin and Ellis, uh, who played together for much of the season. So I'm surprised by the defensive uh, shortcomings, I'll say, on the offensive side of the puck. But even on the defensive side, neither one of these guys lighting up in terms of a plus-minus. So really where it was once a very big strength of this club it's in a bit of disarray and that's alarming to say the least in nashville agreed and i think it might be time to give yossi and suban another look together you know and see what they can do they did struggle to produce as a tandem early um, but now they're both struggling individually with other players so it might be worth a look Um, i'll point out they added some veteran experience uh, on their center they traded a fourth round pick for uh, Vernon Fiddler to bring him in from New Jersey. Uh, he's not a player that I would target for a lot of uh, a lot of goal scoring, but he'll add a little bit of grit, a little bit of uh, veteran experience to a team that's you know clinging to a third spot in the Central Division. Uh, the Blues and the Jets are, are right there as well, so they needed to to at least start to make some moves to kind of shore up. This team is really young. They've got a ton of guys who in the last couple of years have been in the minors. So adding some veteran experience will hopefully, if nothing else, help those guys to develop their game. Yeah, and it's kind of a telling thing that Mike uh, Mike Ribeiro was waived and went unclaimed too in terms of one of the veterans there that really has underperformed and underdelivered. Uh, I think we might have seen the last of Ribeiro, maybe even in the NHL. So a uh, really good playmaker for a lot of years, but uh, he's not fit in in Nashville anymore. And to your point, maybe some younger guys are going to get a look there and uh, an area that they might want to show up come the playoff time as well. A trade deadline as well, rather. New Jersey, this is another team that's trying to stay in the hunt despite three D-men, three key D-men on the shelf. That seems to be the, story, the main storyline for me there. What are you noticing about the Devils right now? Well, yeah, those defensemen, you've got Seth Helgeson, Carl Stollery, and Steve Santini, who are all young guys that uh, I don't think they were expecting to play much this year, but Quincy Merrill and Moore have all been out. Uh, And of those guys, I think the one to watch for me is going to be Helgeson. Uh, He's been all over the place this season. He's been a healthy scratch. He's been sent down to the minors. Um, but he's looking like he's going to be on their second pairing alongside Damon Severson. I think that's a good spot for him. I think he can learn a lot from Severson. Uh, and then on the forward side, P.A. Parento, uh, this is another guy that we've uh, talked about earlier in the season. He's been all over this depth chart from the top uh, pairing now down to the bottom. 
And, you know, he's just he's averaging nearly three minutes left uh, uh, less of ice time in his last five games compared to his season average. So for all the good that this seemed like a great waiver claim right at the start of the season, uh, it's not exactly panning out late. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to his career once the, the campaign wraps up. And I want to point out that a few weeks ago I was high on the promotion of Miles Wood. Uh, he's a son of a former NHLer, Randy Wood, who played with the Buffalo Sabres, among other teams. Miles Woods fit in very well in the top six. He's been a regular scorer and contributor offensively. A nice surprise that they've injected some youth, and it's resulted in some offense in New Jersey, and that's propelling this team into the fringes of the uh, playoff discussion as well. So uh, if they can get healthy on the blue line, this team could be an issue, uh, a participant in the postseason uh, tournament if they continue that recent hot streak that they're on. Uh, New York Islanders, two gritty players are missing from this group. Travis Hamannick and Cal Clutterbuck, Clutterbuck, one defense and one forward, both sideline. Thomas Grice has given up 10 goals in his last two starts, even though they pulled off the OT win against the Leafs last night. Uh, these are some concerns for me. This team doesn't have a wealth of, of size that plays the physical game. So the two guys that are on the shelf right now really hurt them at a time when uh, teams are closing ranks and playing that tougher brand of hockey that we are used to seeing as the playoffs are approaching. Well, and they've shut, uh, shuttled their lines again. You know, we've talked about how fluid the, the Tavares line mates are. And at this point, uh, once a top line player, Shane Prince is down in the fourth line, uh, but and could go as far as being a healthy scratch. I think if Kevin Hayes uh, is able to return, that should help them a little bit. Um, but they are definitely struggling. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, jumped jumped ahead to the other New York team. Uh, Josh Bailey uh, is the player I wanted to talk about with Anders Lee being the current beneficiaries of the Tavares bump. Uh, so Shane Prince down, Lee and Bailey up. So we'll see what happens next week in the constant uh, Islander shuffle. Yeah, and one team that uh, has seen what, what it can be, cost them to be, go only 5-5 five and five in their last 10 is the New York Rangers. That's enough to drop them into fourth place in the tough, toughest division in hockey. We touched about it earlier, the Metro Division. But when uh, teams like Philadelphia and, uh, and Pittsburgh are going the other way and Washington, uh, this division can shift in a big hurry. So the Rangers want to do what they're doing right now to at least hold on to the fourth spot in the division, which should wind up being a wild card. It might be the first wild card, too, and that gets the date against the top Atlantic Division team. So that might be the primo playoff spot to be in uh, at the end of the season to avoid that uh, second, third in the division, which will be a real dogfight between two really good teams. One of them will be out at the end of the first round. A shame for me. Yeah, and, and this is where I want to mention that Kevin Hayes injury. Uh, he's going to be out uh, for a little or likely to come back, I think, here soon. I think that makes Brandon Peary a player who was a uh, high for them at the start of the season had a lot of points early uh, is now looking like a healthy scratch and, and that Hayes injury could even see him sent down to the minors as he becomes that much more expendable. And what about in Ottawa? We have to talk about the fact that Craig Anderson looks like he wants to get back with the team. Does that mean that he gets the first uh, string gig back? AJ, I wonder if, if you have a thought about that, but also what do you think about the rest of the roster in Ottawa as well? Well, they've maintained most of the season that the minute Craig Anderson was back up to uh, game readiness, that they were going to put him in at that starting spot. And so that's what I would expect as soon as he gets his, uh, you know, his legs back under him, maybe shakes off a little bit of that rust. And, and I think that played into why they were willing to let Condon go out there night after night because they knew at some point they would get Anderson back and they weren't worried about burning Condon out. Um, and as far as the rest of their lineup goes, I'm a little surprised to see Tommy Wingo still on the fourth line, considering how much they gave up to him, yeah. two prospects plus a draft pick. He's only averaging 936 for ice time with the Senators, but I have to imagine that's going to increase. You don't pay up for a guy like this to just watch him sit there on your fourth line. Yeah, well, that's not the only head scratcher here uh, for me. They should have never bailed the Leafs out and picked up Dion Phaneuf. So I'm, I'm going to add this trade and the way they've dealt with it uh, to that uh, other concern that I have taking on that big money for a guy whose best before date is, is expired a while ago, I'll say, on the back end. And, and Condon has proved himself. Like you said, he did it before with Montreal last year. 
in the in the wake of uh, Carey Price's long-term injury. We know he can handle a big load, but I'm just wondering if uh, Anderson is going to be able to come back and be the guy that can count on. This team plays a road-heavy schedule the rest of the way, too. Don't think that that isn't a concern and something they, that they should be aware of. Uh, and, and you should be aware of in your daily fantasy leagues, too, because this team has had a, ro- a home-favorable schedule. They're on a current four-game homestand that's only going to make that skew uh, more uh, exacerbated down the stretch. Uh, they'll be doing a lot of uh, in and out of airports the rest of the season in a condensed schedule. I look for this team to have trouble holding their current position. I'll say that. Philadelphia, 4-5-1 and one, their last 10 games. They're holding on to the last wild card spot for now, but it's a really shaky hold. And one of the guys who's kind of gone south along with that recent turn of events is their rookie, Travis Konechny, who's missed the last two games but also was slowed down with only two points in his previous 10 games. He was among the rookie leaders early on in the season, but he, like the Flyers' fortunes, has taken a turn for the worse. And doesn't help either that uh, Gostas Bear on the blue line, who was a stud defenseman for them last year, he's way into the doghouse here and has been a healthy stretch in the last two games. Uh, he's sporting at minus 19, folks. This is ugly numbers for a guy who probably was pretty high on a lot of draft boards early on in the season. Well, the phones have to be ringing off the hook in Philly with teams inquiring if they can get him. I mean, if they're not going to use him, he's on. He's still on his ELC. Uh, so there's going to be teams that want him. I don't think Philly's going to look to move him, but every team in the league's going to say, well, if we pair him with this guy, we'll solve the plus minus issues. We'll get them shorn up defensively. If we pair them with this guy, every team in the league thinks they have somebody that they can pair up with him. And they're going to be looking to see if Philly's willing to, to part ways with him. I would be shocked if they did, but I have to imagine the phones are, are just going bonkers there in, uh, in the city of brotherly love. All right. Well, we stay in the state of Pennsylvania and we talk about your favorite club, AJ. And uh, it's worth noting for me that Chris Kunitz has uh, regained a look on the top line next to uh, Cinda Kidd and Brian Rust. He had a long run of success with Crosby at center. And uh, to me, it was a matter of time before he got a look. But this move was precipitated by injuries on the left side to Connor Sheary primarily and Carl Hagelin, who would have been probably a a consideration, I guess, if he was the healthy guy. But Hagelin will probably go back to his his role with Bonino and Kessel uh, when healthy and Sheary certainly should get a look back with Crosby but for now he's on the DL and that means Kunitz gets a shot and it's also worth noting Latang on the blue line is back and playing yeah and another guy benefiting from those injuries is uh, Jake Gunsel. he you know looked like he was just going to come up for a little bit he had that outstanding debut um, but he's found a, a spot on this roster he's even been beating out um fellow uh, kind of young player tom kunako of late for for time on the ice now kunako will be in the lineup as well now with the the injuries but Gunso's really performed well uh really h- held uh you know kept his head on his shoulders and, and been uh, a crucial part to this team on some recent success to try and just keep pace in the metropolitan, which is crazy to think the penguins with how good they've been are uh, third in the Metro, just trying to keep up with the rest of that division. And one team that's really got more two tiers, two definite tiers in terms of skill and uh, experience is the San Jose sharks. And the one guy to crack that tier is back from injury an injury absence. And that's Thomas hurdle. He gets to go back on the top line with Joe, Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski. What a great opportunity for him to to hit the ground running he's picked up two points in his first four games back but i think bigger things are to come for hurdle and if, if there's one guy i would really high, like to highlight on this whole board he's the guy just because he lands into such a primo opportunity and if you have a chance to grab him or if you have him elevate him in your roster because he's going to be a big factor down the stretch for for san jose a team that is pretty stable throughout the rest of the lineup in my opinion well, and with Hurdle bumping Patrick Marlowe off that top line, I kind of expected a little drop in production for Marlowe, but he's kept right on this torrid pace that he's been on of late. Uh, in the four games since Hurdle's been back, he's got two goals and two assists. Uh, I'm sorry, two goals and three assists, actually. So uh, just has stuck with it, been on it, uh, on his game, hasn't let the, the bump down to the second line phase him in even the slightest. So uh, things are starting to really click for San Jose. And, and Thornton and uh, Pavelski, the, the two big Joes, got to be loving this for another deep playoff run with some other guys stepping up. 
And, uh, you know, we talked about the Boston coaching change and St. Louis, things have really worked out since their coaching change. Mike Yo is now 3-0 and uh, since taking over that role. But on the ice, they've taken a, they've suffered a blow on, on the left side where Robbie Fabry, who has been a real surprise addition to their scoring depth, is lost for the season with an injury. So they'll have to fill in with him right now. They've given Kenny Agostino a bit of a promotion into a top six uh, circumstance ahead of Jaden Schwartz. I'm not sure how long that'll last, but as long as it does, Kenny Agostino is a must-have playing alongside opposite Vladimir Tarasenko and alongside Yori Laterra, who's got to ramp up his game given the opportunity he's got to play with Tarasenko there. Well, and they're going to need guys like Dmitry Jaskin and Patrick uh, Berglund to really step up here. And I think the probably the biggest uh, hit that the Fabry injury will impact is that Scotty Upshaw will probably see a bigger role. Um, it looks, as you mentioned, Paul, like Agostino will take on some of those minutes. But if he can't keep up to the pace, that, that kind of NHL pace since his call-up, they're going to have to look to Scotty Upshaw. And that's just not a torrid scorer there that's more of a grinder. Uh, and so when you force guys into roles they're not used to, it, it can certainly backfire on you. So I don't know how long Mike Yo's uh, win streak is going to carry on. And just excuse me, just as we highlighted a, a winger who was called up to play in top line minutes, there's a defenseman in Tampa who has been uh, seeing the same fortune. He, uh, Jake Dotchin moves into their lineup and plays opposite Victor Hedman, one of the top scoring blue liners in the league. That's got to elevate this guy's opportunity to get some points. He's only got one in six games, but as long as he stays in that role and gains a comfort level on the blue line, I think he's a guy you can watch for in Tampa at even strength. He should be able to pick up points just by accident for passing the puck across to Hedman before he sets somebody up. So uh, Dotchin is a name I wanted to highlight here. Well, for me, it's Jonathan Druin, who had seen his his role kind of diminish of late. Um, but with Ryan Callahan and Michael Bernaval out, uh, Druin's back in a top six role. And so he should see his minutes go up. And and maybe he's just a postseason player. Uh, his, his regular season hasn't been great, but they're going to be relying on him with those two guys out. And, you know, Andre Pallad is, is injured as well. Steven Stamkos is still out. So definitely a banged up team. And so this is one you might want to take a look. There's an opportunity here for some maybe low cost guys that are going to get some more time with all these injuries. Yeah, that's well said. And as far as Stamkos, he's still looking at a mid-March return. So probably not going to reward you too much before the regular season's over. More of a playoff addition. So certainly uh, we want to keep an eye on that for your daily fantasy if and when he gets healthy you want to put him in right away but it's still a long way off and last night in a losing cause i touched on it the leafs lost in overtime but a record was made aj all five of their goals were scored by rookies and it is believed that this is the first time that's ever happened at least in the modern era of the nhl and uh, goals are not the problem here of late uh, what's happening here is the goals against is is a bit of an issue jake gardner is looking like the jake gardner that i'm used to seeing he's i call him giveaway gardner just because he turns <laughs> that puck over a lot and Morgan Riley another guy that they count on to play big minutes is banged up he's been dealing with a what we'll call a high ankle strain which which is something that uh, it sounds worse it sounds not as bad as it is actually this is a painful injury and he's gonna have to play with it because they just need him so so badly to take on the top role that he's held all season long so he's gonna probably take a bit of a hit in the plus minus and his offensive numbers may struggle but uh, this team needs a little bit of help on the blue line clearly that's what they're going to be looking for at the trade deadline if they can get it somehow well, and they tried to add a little bit of it by claiming Alexei Marchenko off the waiver wire from uh, Toronto, uh, Detroit. I know uh, our resident Red Wings expert, Mike G, was uh, dead set against this move when they waived him. Uh, didn't think it was worth the risk, and, and he seems to be right. Marchenko getting snatched up by, by Toronto. But I don't think, as you mentioned, Paul, I don't think that's the final solution to their blue line. I'd expect some uh, trade deadline moves, but it certainly won't hurt to add a, a young talent like that to your organization. Yeah, and he's been uh, under the guidance of uh, the head coach Babcock in the past, so he knows what he's getting here, and, and people on the inside think that this guy can be a second-pairing defenseman on the, on the Leafs right away, so a real good move uh, in that regard. I echo Mike G's sentiments. always like to hear something positive from the team that lost the player, lost the player, uh, coming our way and i'm feeling good about that because i respect mike's opinion on such matters in vancouver this team slipped back of late losing their last three halting a nice playoff push that they were putting on 
but uh, injuries to D-men Hutton and Goodbranson, who's out indefinitely, may prove pivotal in their ultimate demise here. I think it's just too much to overcome. They've had a very nice run, but these two injuries on the back end probably crippling their postseason hopes. Yeah, I would agree, Paul. And and there's just not much in terms of of top uh, you know forward options here either in terms of fantasy. Bo Horvat has been one guy that is you know had some some flashes of talent but he's down on a third line role uh and so outside of the sardines and, and louis erickson there's really not much in my opinion to really help uh, your team uh towards the end of the season in washington a team that's clicking on all cylinders i think they're seven two and one in their last 10 games at top the nhl standings once again if there's one guy i'd like to see getting a better shot offensively is andre burakowski but the issue is where to put this guy the only space i think is maybe have him shift to the left wing and bump Marcus Johansson, which is a good bit of news for them because they're getting a lot of mileage out of Justin Williams, who probably has exceeded their expectations and has forced his way into top six minutes. And we know about this guy's playoff pedigree as well. They're also getting a lot of good uh, work out of Dmitry Orlov, as much on offense, which is a surprise, as he is known for his defensive prowess. So good news there. And uh, I like the third pairing as well in terms of shutdown. You don't lose much when you can put Brooks Orpik and Nate Schmidt out there. So top to bottom, this team is, is really solid. And even in goal, Philip Grubauer, they barely lose a half a stride when he gets to start over uh, Braden Holpe, who is, of course, one of the top goalies in hockey. Yeah, and John Carlson's back from a, from a brief injury as well that kept him out of six games. So uh, not as much of an offensive factor, but he'll shore up. Uh, any defense in, that uh, that they need there. So just a team clicking on all cylinders, and I, I expect them to continue to kind of tear through the league at this point. And uh, we finish up with Winnipeg, where I'll begin with the back end. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of name recognition guys on the blue line, but two of them are out uh, right now, and Myers and, and Ben Sherrod, who've been uh, fixtures there on their back end. But it, it has afforded the opportunity for Josh Morrissey to step in. And he's another guy who's gotten into the lineup and right away gets the primo assignment alongside Dustin Bufflin, who is one of the more prolific defensemen in terms of getting involved in the offense. So, again, just by osmosis and by being on the ice at the same time, that could uh, spike uh, Morrissey's uh, offensive game a little bit more than most people would expect. So keep an eye out for that. Up front, we know all about their depth, and they've really insulated the one of the guys who was in the rookie of the year conversation, Patrick Line, come back in the lineup, hit the ice running, and has been scoring regularly, and right there at the top of the rookie scoring race, along with a couple of Maple Leaf players as well. So good news in Winnipeg, I think, for the most part. But I'm a little bit also surprised that Andre Palat is getting a heavy workload since he got healthy. I wonder if that's uh, kind of a trade... Uh, trade opportunity that they're trying to advertise around the league that Pavlik is healthy because they do have two younger guys in Hellybuck and Hutchinson who have taken this team on extended uh, runs uh, in the past yeah I would agree I, I don't think he's on the team long term he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after the year so probably trying to get what they can out of him and as you highlighted showcase him a little bit uh, I am surprised to see Matthew Peralt currently on the fourth line I would expect him to slide up a little bit. Uh, he's been performing uh, better. He, they're easing him back from injury, I think. Uh, and as he continues to get healthier and healthier, I think they'll slide him back up. And then one player that they could also get back is Drew Stafford. He did miss their last game, um, but was considered a game-time decision heading into that contest. So I would expect Stafford to be back and ready to go for tonight. And speaking of tonight, AJ, we want to help our listeners build their daily FanDuel lineups for Tuesday's games. There's a total of 11 of them out there, and uh, we'll use FanDuel prices for our picks as, as usual. So let's begin by highlighting the games and the spreads on each of the contests. We have the Sharks, who are favored at 150, minus 150 against Buffalo, who's on the second of back-to-backs. The over-under is at 5 flat. That's a 7 o'clock start. Also at 7 o'clock, the next three games feature the Ducks at the Rangers. The Rangers are a minus 145 favorite. The over-under is 5.5. The Flames visit the Penguins. Big line here in favor of the Penguins, a minus 210. The over-under set at 6. The Panthers visit the Capitals. The Capitals another big favorite, minus 195. The over-under set at 5. And the Dallas Stars play uh, the 
uh, the Maple Leafs uh, who are on the second of back-to-backs. These teams met in Dallas last week. It was no contest with uh, Dallas running up a big early score. The Leafs looking for revenge. There's no line on this game as of yet. Likely to do with the fact the Leafs are on the second of back-to-backs. It's a 7.30 tilt. AJ, why don't you take us through the rest of the six-pack of games that are on later? Yeah, so it starts off uh, for the later games. Blues, who are another team coming off of back-to-back. Now they travel to Ottawa. I think that travel schedule plus the Fabry injury is why you're seeing the Senators at minus 140 and a five and a half uh, over under. Blue Jackets are minus 135 as they travel to Detroit. Uh, 5.5 is the over under on that one. And then Kings at Lightning. Uh, again, Tampa Bay minus 115. So just a slight edge there, a five over under on that one. Another big one-sided contest, the Canucks travel to Nashville. The Predators are minus 200 on this uh, this game and a five over under. Wild at the Jets. Uh, Minnesota's the favorite there, minus 125, a five and a half over under. And then our last game of the evening, the Canadians, minus 185 as they travel to the Mile High City to square up against the Avalanche, who are a with a five over under on that game okay it's time for the big reveal at the top of the fantasy lineups that we pick i'm really wondering who you're going to pick at center ice (laughs) well it shouldn't come as any surprise (laughs) you look at that line a minus 210 with a six over under i've packed my lineup with penguins tonight i'm maximizing all four uh, and that starts off uh, as no surprise to anybody with Sid the Kid. He's actually coming in at under 9,000, so that's a little bit of a bonus there for me. 8,900 in their home game against the Flames. Uh, too good to pass up. And I'll pair him up with Nicholas Backstrom as Carolina traveled to Washington. Uh, this is another kind of one-sided uh, game based on the lines, and at 6,800 getting Backstrom is, is kind of a steal in my opinion. Uh, Paul, what does the middle of your lineup look like? Well, I'm going to go with Ryan Kessler. If I had to ask you to close your eyes and tell me who was leading scorer on Anaheim, I wonder if how many listeners out of 100 would say it was Ryan Kessler. But he's the guy. He's playing second line minutes behind behind Ryan Getzlaff still. But, boy, has he become a formidable part of their offense. And I'll take a bit, a bit of that against the Rangers team that I highlighted, that they're only 5-5 five and five in their last 10. He cost 6700 bucks tonight. And over in Los Angeles, a lot of the talk in the middle of the ice has been, wh- what about Jeff Carter after that? Uh, it drops off. But uh, right now, you can also say that Anze Kopitar has picked up his game of late. They get a Tampa team that is banged up a little bit. And so for uh, $6,700 also with him, I've got two pretty good centers, uh, first liners that both come in under seven grand. There's a quartet of wingers that I'm waiting to hear from for you. All right. Well, I started off with my second penguin, Patrick Hornquist for 7100 uh, he's just too valuable, in my opinion, to pass up. And, and he'll definitely take advantage, I think, of tonight's game, especially I look for him to uh, take on a power play role tonight. Uh, and then having spent all my money on him and Sid the Kid, I had to go really cheap uh, for the rest of my wingers. And I started with Leo Komarov of Toronto. Uh, we've talked about the the problems with Dallas's goaltending. So at 4500 I like what he can offer there. Tyler Ennis of Buffalo, 4300 He's been uh, doing pretty well since coming back from injury, so I'm hoping he continues to carry that forward, although I do have concerns about him trying to score against Martin Jones. And then I mentioned Drew Stafford potentially coming back. I think the fact that he's been injured has lowered his price tag to 4000 uh, And if he's in, I'll definitely have to check back to Rotowire for that one. Um, but if he's in, I think Stafford for 4000 is a steal. Again, a tough matchup going against Devin Dubnik, but I'm willing to take the risk so I can stack my pens tonight. Uh, your wingers, Paul. All right. I'm going to go starting with the Maple Leaf. My most expensive winger is James Van Riemsdyk against Dallas. I expect this to be a bit of a shootout, and I don't feel too great about the Dallas goaltending. You've touched on it all year long. I've kind of defended them, but uh, I really see a weakness here. They haven't even thought about p- playing Antti Niemi, who's really lost it, and they're leaning heavily on Kari Lettinen, who's doing only a little bit better. And Van Riemsdyk gets to play against a pretty soft defense, too. So that $7,600 price tag, even though he's on a second of back-to-backs, attracted me. Then another guy who's the beneficiary of a pretty lopsided matchup is Max Pacioretty. 
coming in at $7,500. I thought this was a low price tag for a guy who's the signature offensive piece in Montreal and a guy who tends to take advantage of these types of mismatches with great regularity to pad his stats. And then a third guy I'd pick is TJ Oshie. He gets the plum assignment playing with Backstrom and Ovechkin, and yet he's priced at sub $7,000 as they host the visiting Carolina Hurricanes, a team that's pretty speedy and often underrated. I hope the Caps don't take them lightly because they can surprise otherwise. I think the Caps will be ready at home, and Oshie will be a big part of that game. I've also saved a space, and I had to go cheap when I spent this kind of money, and I already talked about this. Chris Kunitz back with Sidney Crosby, I think, is one of the top value plays on the board, AJ, for my money, if he continues with that assignment against Calgary, a team that's gotten their act together a little bit, but I still think that they're a little bit suspect in goal, and uh, Crosby and Kunitz and company take full advantage of that in the lopsided line that you highlighted. What about the defensive tandem that you ice? Well, Penguins uh, player number three, Justin Schultz for 5,300. His power play contributions uh, have been uh, too good to overlook. And uh, so, again, highlighting that matchup. And since the the rules of FanDuel won't let me take a fifth Penguin, I'm going to take a former Penguin in Matty Niskanen. Uh, He's 4,900 with Washington. I like his scoring from the blue line. He's got a, a just incredible shot. Uh, and that matchup is, again, one-sided as, as Washington welcomed the Hurricanes into town. Uh, so definitely matchup capitalizing there for a low cost. Uh, Paul, what about your blue line? Well, you want to talk low cost. I think this is the cheapest defense that I've iced all season <laughs> long. And I'm going to go with two guys that I highlighted because despite their low salaries, they're both playing first-line roles as uh, they project heading into the games and against some shaky opposition. Well, in one case, shaky opposition. Brandon Montour of Anaheim gets to visit. Uh, Broadway and face the Rangers. He's priced at 3100 bucks. He's only got one point in six games, but he's playing first-line minutes there, so I'll take advantage of that. Talk about he's got good size, big shot, and I think this is a good place to put him in the lineup uh, to give me room to spend money elsewhere. And I'll also put in Josh Morrissey, who gets to play with Buffalo, and I know he's got a tough assignment against Minnesota and their deep team, but Winnipeg at home is a very tough out, and so for $3,600, I'll take a chance here. So if either of these guys produce, I think it's a bonus for me, but it really, I'm counting on the offense to come from uh, the forwards, and if they do what happened last week, I had a fabulous night with the roster I, I iced last, uh, last Tuesday. It's worth touting that uh, in this spot here, but uh, enough about me and my lineup. Who do you have in goal for yours? Well, if you're counting along at home, that's been one, two, three Penguins. And so the fourth is Matt Murray tonight for 9,200. I'm secretly hoping that they go with Marc-Andre Fleury uh, so I can make that switch, save a little cash, and maybe boost some of my wingers. But uh, in the meantime, if Matt Murray does get the start as expected, that matchup's too good for me to pass up. And I like cheering for my own guys, which makes it all the more fun when your lineup cashes. Uh, Paul, what did you do in net? Well, I went with a team that's hot since the coaching change, and that's Mike Yo's St. Louis Blues, and I got Jake Allen in the nets for $8,100. I think that Ottawa's going to show some cracks eventually. Uh, this team is playing, uh, punching above their weight, I do believe, and so I'll take advantage of this uh, matchup that favors, to me, it should favor St. 